And welcome to another exciting episode of the Bud Rebel Show, a podcast like no other. For not only do we have an amazing guest, which we'll introduce shortly, but we're going to have some very weird Snapple facts, ways you can make money in this interesting economy, unique ideas, leadership skills, and always a nice word at the end, I hope. Plus, we always have a little interlude, interlude you might say. So I, my special guest today is, is a very great actor because he did something that he took my job away, to be honest with you. And I'll talk about that shortly because this is what I wanted to do. But he did it so much better. <laughs> I can only dream about it. The actor name is Mr. Burke Floyd. Burke, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, bud. Good to see you again, my friend. Good to see you. I, I'm going to go right into it, honestly. Hmm? You were in our film, The Undead. And what to me was amazing, because I just did a little short myself, was that monologue. It was so long, and you had to do like, I don't know how many times, you must have been like six times. And, it was and, a handful, yeah. Yeah, and every time it was precise, and you didn't have a lot of time to memorize those lines, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I didn't. And you know what? First, thanks, thanks for having me on the show now, and thanks for having me on the film. I, I think... A part of those things when the, when you have the long monologues and the long, it's so easy to look at the words on a page, which you wrote brilliantly, by the way. And so the sometimes the challenge can simply be in, and without naming names or anything, it certainly wasn't the case in this with what you wrote. Sometimes the challenge can be that it's exposition, that it's a long monologue because, um, you know, maybe it's a writer who's less experienced or maybe it's something that's being added to try to patch together some sort of storyline whole. I mean, you know, we've all been there. You, you know, I know you've made other movies. Mina's made tons. I mean, um, you know, sometimes that's what you're coming in to do. And it's like, wow. And that's when it's really, <laughs> that's when you just have to, you have to really hunker down and, um, and live on the page. Um, with what you gave me and with the encouragement that Mina had, um, and the direction that she gave, as well as not for nothing, but that beautiful that that location where we shot, and uh, that that I will say, that kind of stepping into it and breathing it in is the kind of thing that can, when it's well written, can really like make it almost seem easy to so, as easy as it can be. You know, uh, um, I no, I'm sorry, you're just too good. Don't tell me. Oh man, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I, I did. I will. I will say. I think you've got some BTS of me outside of the church before we went in. Um, before we were picture up. After we like, I stood in a little bit to get it lined up. You know, and then when you guys were setting everything, I think there's some BTS of me outside, like redoing it over and over and over again. The neighbors yeah. of that church must think I'm insane. Yeah, but let me ask you a question. So you play a minister in the in the film, mm -hmm. and I mean, it's an interesting thing. You got into the role of a minister, but you. It, it, it was a, you had an interesting take on it. I think I think it was I, I wanted it to be like almost like a like a really preached like a Southern Baptist so much, and you got really into that. But you also had like a really kind way that you know like sometimes that came across. Did you did you did you purposely do that? I mean, it was like an interesting angle. Like the preachers can be like really hell hell and heaven. You know, hell you're gonna go to hell type thing. But there was like a really warm side to you as that. Did you have any? background with ministers growing up or anything that made you feel that way or something you know i appreciate that man and i'm so that's exciting to me that you picked up on it yeah <laughs> that was absolutely a choice that i made and i mean I, I i was raised catholic uh when i was living with my birth parents and and then i was in foster care and so um i, I went uh but i went to a catholic military high school as well so I, I like um there was something about the the fact that like uh that there was there was it felt very clinical to me almost going to those kinds of services when I was growing up. It felt very um like and I'm not judging anybody's religion or their belief system or how they practice their religion. That's certainly not my place. I'm sure that that works for plenty of people. And if that's what works for them, then awesome. More power to them. Um, but it felt always, I always felt sort of a disconnect in that. And I wanted in this to be, especially with what Adam, with what my character is telling these people and this subject matter that, that Mina gave me this incredible note at one point before we even really started. And it was that Adam, he believes what he's saying fully. 
None of this is something that he's been indoctrinated to. He believes it 100%. Could pass a lie detector test. He believes it. Um, and that really helped because it makes, um, when you seek the empathy and the compassion in a character, um, especially one that is giving a lot of fire and brimstone and a lot of, um, uh, you know, dystopian um, outlook, it allows for in, in what I was hoping it would do was to allow people to relate even even with what I'm saying, allow the audience to relate even while Adam, while this character is preaching this this stuff that could feel like uh, it's way out, out left field. And I wanted them to feel that he was being honest and that he was doing it in the interest of his parishioners in there. He truly wants to save them and not um, and none of it I wanted to come across as um, as like some sort of fraud or scam kind of thing. And yeah. and that I think you find that using the empathy, you know, using giving the character empathy, even the worst character on the planet. Um, and I've played plenty of bad guys, plenty of bad guys. Um, I always try to find empathy in that character, even if it's not something that I personally have knowledge of or could relate to. I try to dig for the empathy unless it's a sociopath or something of that nature. You know, that's yeah, a totally I different think that thing. Makes, but... I think it makes it much more interesting for the people that do. And I think the whole thing is character development and any of these things that, is the key. That's it. People want, to, people want to relate to the characters. And I think they definitely related to you. I was going to mention to you, just brought up a thing about your life. Can you give us a little background? I mean, it seems like you want, first of all, a lot of people go through struggles and and you're talking about growing up and step, you know, being brought that way. Can you tell us a little about that? If people understand? Sure. Yeah, no. Um, yeah, you know, it's I, uh, I I lost my parents when I was young. Um, and how was, old were you? Uh, you say? I was uh, eight uh, when my father passed and 10 when my mom passed. Wow. And uh, how did you I went into when you um, so like this is like what they what if you don't mind get I mean, how did it happen? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, my father was a heart issue and my mom um, uh, struggled um emotionally and mentally after he was gone uh and and so that's you know and and i think um that that at a time uh, i mean i'm 19 in reruns but i'm much older than that in real life so we were talking several decades ago um i think uh mental health and um the ability for others to see warning signs the ability for others for for individuals suffering or struggling with uh, mental health issues to know that it's okay to reach out is is so slim um and so at that time and and you know it still needs improvement clearly right um but but at least we've moved forward as a culture and a society into um being being more open to discuss it and and offering being more open about the help that's readily available um but so that's how i lost my parents and so uh, eight years old you eight you lost your father and your yeah. mother at and 10 i lost my mom I and this was both yeah. a mental health issues they both suffered from. My, no, my father was a heart issue. My mom was a heart. Health. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's okay. I yeah, couldn't deal with the depression on it. Wow. Yeah. And and yeah. how did how did you deal with this? Um, you know, I you, uh, you, did. You have any brothers and sisters? And no, no, I family? was. Uh, no, I, I just ended up at the boys' home of Virginia, which was a group home. Um, and I had a bunch of foster care placements, but I was never. Uh, adopted or even in the, I was never entered into the protocol for adoption. Um, but, you know, I think um, I was just blessed, uh, incredibly fortunate that, um, to be honest with you, that I found um, theater and, and at the, at the foster care, they had, they had a theater. No, you know, they didn't. I was actually, in, I was actually a freshman in high school and I was okay. playing football and I was really good at football. Um, I actually went to college on a, a University of South Carolina on a football scholarship, but, um, but, and I, I enjoyed football. I mean, it was fun, I guess, but it wasn't something I didn't have any kind of full fledged passion for it. I just happened to be um, skilled at it. Uh, and you've been playing and, the Super Bowl this weekend. Oh yeah, man. I wish <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what I, I, you know, I played in South Carolina and, uh, and that was a lot of fun. And I played against a lot of people that did and with a lot of individuals that went uh, to the pros. And I will tell you, having seen what that is, um, both in their, in their physical stature and abilities and all of that, and their mental acuity, for the sport, having seen what it takes to be 
that 1% of 1% of 1% that makes it to the NFL, I was nowhere near it. I mean, like, I remember, I remember I got, uh, I got knocked into Tuesday in one of our games. You know what I mean? We played on Saturdays and I got, I think it was Tuesday about the time that the cloud lifted. Um, and it was by a guy like half my size and it was Heinz Ward who actually ended up playing in the pros. Uh, he was a receiver at Georgia and I was a, a strong safety at South Carolina and he laid, uh, we got an interception and I was running up uh, to try to block and Heinz Ward, who was much smaller than me in on paper, man but i'm still trying to i i don't i didn't know who hit me until we watched game film on monday i was That's like funny. i don't know what happened you know it's um, funny you mentioned yeah. that a little thing with me when i was I, we played football in, in college you know i get intramural thing and i get pushed and all of a sudden i hear crack in my nose right i just broke my nose you know and yeah I, this is their fault this is i should i don't know this is that this is what it's I, a handsome I, mug I baby very boy small nose, very very small nose. that's a handsome <laughs> mug i'll Keep tell it. you another long tale with that one too but yeah yeah <laughs> so you get into theater right you said in yeah so so i'm a freshman college? in high school and uh i'm a freshman in high school and i'm walking i've got a seventh Wait a minute, you're a football player and you're going to theater and does that like make you a little a different so football players had seventh period study hall um at, at my high school and so i was walking to the study hall my first day of freshman year and there was a room and there was a you know there was a door jam separating the door that went into my study hall to the left and the one that went into this other classroom and i'm walking down the hallway and in front of me is the prettiest girl i've ever seen her name was gina schottmoitner and i had no idea who she was but i followed her into her classroom instead of going into uh, study <laughs> hall and it ended up being the theater class jeff saunders was his teacher and I was like, what am I doing in theater? Oh, man. And and yet, you know, I loved it. I thought it was they ripped the you on the football team. Did you get ripped a little bit? I did. And you know, you know who defended me? I'll tell you what. That's funny that you should say that because that just reminded me. We had a um, we had a preview of the musical. And uh, where we performed it in the last couple of periods of school or something for the school. Just a, a quick 20 minute snippet or something. And uh, and so and I went. And then we had to go to 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 lift to, to with the football team. We had to go work out after it. It was in the spring, so we didn't have practice, but we had to weight room training. And so I went to the weight room right from this preview, and I still had makeup on. And uh, I'm, we're waiting for the coach to come and open the door. And one of my teammates, and I played varsity as a freshman, so it was a guy that was a little older than me, uh, was ripping me, making fun of me for it. And uh, um our coach, Coach Bryant, who was our, uh, our our line coach, big dude. Sounds like a he, coach. Yeah, and he turned around and ripped that guy. But he did it. He did it in a way that you love to see. Where it wasn't. He didn't call that guy names or anything. He just said, "What kind of moron are you that you think that it's not?" Don't you understand? He's well rounded. This is. Right. Have you ever heard of a Renaissance man? I mean, he's saying all these things. I had no idea. I had no defense you for myself. a pretty girl at that point. Yeah, I was like, I followed Gina Schottwinder <laughs> into the class, man. I don't know what you're talking but about. Did you date her? That's the most important thing. Did you date her from the Did you date her from the show? You know what? We never dated. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, to this day, it, uh, it still <laughs> haunts me. You saw it still haunts you. So thank you. You graduate high school, and now you're in college. You take. What do you do after that? Do you go to college? I didn't do any. I didn't do any theater in college. I'd done a bunch of commercials and things like that when I was in high school, actually. Regular um, commercials. Yeah, no did TV. I, yeah, I did. Uh, I did commercial? a bunch of national. Did a bunch of national commercials. I did Heilig Myers, Ford Motors, uh, Paramount's King's Dominion. Okay. Um, so you guys, so right out of high school, you're getting commercials. I was already in high school. I was getting, I was repped by uh, Stacey Venturi at Model Logic in downtown Richmond, uh, so in Capitol oh, Hill, so you're Richmond. From Rich, you're from Virginia. And from, yeah, from Virginia. So you're in the theater group and they, you get an agent from high school? Yeah, I did. Um, I did School of the Performing Arts in the Richmond community, Spark. Um, I did a summer camp with them and we did, um, uh, what was the show? Guys and Dolls. I played oh. Nathan Detroit and Guys like and Dolls. Classic, yeah. Ju uh, before my junior year of high school. Okay. And we did, um, and you know, from that, I, I get this agent. We did it at the Empire Theater, the theater rep, uh, Virginia Rep Theater. Um, we performed it at their theater, and uh, one thing led to another, and I had an agent, and then I'd done all these commercials, um, and I what had no idea. 
Oh, go when ahead. You do a, when you do a commercial, it's mm -hmm. like 30 seconds, but you're like the whole day, right? What is it like? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. So it depends on what the commercial is, right? So, um, and back in the day, commercials, union SAG, commercials had a different, a very different pay structure than they do now. Um, and you could really make a lot of money if commercial ran right. a bunch. Um, but so, yeah, you get a day rate, you know, something along or about 500 bucks for the day that you would get paid. And if it's a 30 second commercial, depending on what the scope of that commercial is, you could shoot it in a day or many days. So um, I think an example of that would be uh, the Kings Dominion, the Paramount Kings Dominion commercial that I did was for um, the volcano roller coaster. You got to go to the roller coaster? Got to ride the roller coaster. Oh, great, huh? um, which was rad. It was so rad. Yeah, like um, you have to excited, act excited, but I think you're pretty excited as a kid going on the roller coaster. Anyway, so it was so amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it was so cool. Um, and we worked on that. I think we shot that for three days. That job. Um, because you know they needed to set cameras. You know, back in the day too, you're shooting on film. Right. So like actual film rigs and on a roller coaster shooting on a film rig, you know, you've got to. I mean, you know, there's a lot to build and a lot to move and and those cameras. You know, now multicam is the easiest thing in the world. Um, you just you just put more money at it, kind mm -hmm. of, right? You know what I mean? Um, but in film, in the film world, multicam was like a multicam in film is insane. I mean, like who who has that many rigs, that many lenses, that many DPs, that many cans for the film, actual film itself, the processing, the dailies, all of that, you know, it it so much primarily was a one camera endeavor especially when you're talking about the oh man it had had to be had to be 80 times in three days. 80 times of the roller coaster it was amazing it was amazing the, the over and over again I mean, like time. over and over again and you know the first day the first day we were there bud you got, you got didn't know you oh man i loved it i never got nauseous at all but i was also in the front row um this young lady and i were in the front row oh. we were the principals on it but the first day we were there, nobody had, I guess there was some sort of miscommunication with catering, right? So catering didn't know that the talent was going to be on set that day, just that first day. So, you know, you've got, I guess a roller coaster probably seats something like 20 people, give or take, right? Something 20, wow. 25, whatever. So, um, so they didn't have enough food for the extra 20 random talent that they didn't expect to be there. So what they did for lunch was run out and grab to the grocery store and grab frozen lasagnas. And this girl and I, um, man, I wish, I've always wished I could remember her name. She was such a great young lady. She's the one that she was but, in high school, the same girl. She was, was in high school. No, different, not Gina Schottler. <laughs> I'll never forget Gina Schottler. Um, but this girl and I were, uh, that was in the front seat with me. Uh, we come in for lunch and it's lasagna and we're walking up, you know, the thing. And she reaches the spoon for the lasagna. And I just put my hand on her arm and was like, I wouldn't eat the lasagna. And everybody else is eating the lasagna. She and I ate some bread and like, uh, you know, that they bought at the grocery store and like a bag salad kind of thing that they bought at the grocery store. And yeah, uh, 100% after lunch, uh, we went a few more runs and had to stop because everybody was getting sick. That's Off the side. It was like out of the Goonies. It was like Chunk's story out oh of the Goonies. Oh my gosh. That's yeah, it was wild. Possible. Yeah, it you was know, wild. Yo, that's a great commercial because you could have done a commercial for GasX or something. There's a lot oh, more. Oh, 100 percent Well, my my latest commercial that's airing already. Um, I don't know if it's my latest, but one that I did recently a, a couple of years ago is a bone one of those boner pill commercials for guys, you know, with Frank Thomas and and you know, take this pill. Oh, you over 40? Well, testosterone drops over 40. I'm surprised you didn't know that. And she'll like it too. Yeah, that thing, they're beating that one up. That one keeps playing all the time during football season. Oh, that's hysterical. What are you so gonna do? You're known as that man, huh? You're yeah, that, I'm known as that man. You, and I, you know what? I'll, I'll be I'll be known as that man every time I go to the bank <laughs> with one of those checks. So I'm okay with it. So, okay. So do you go to, you go to college after this too while you're doing this? Yeah. Yeah, I went to college. I didn't do any acting in college. I was... Uh, My question uh, for you. So yeah. you forced to care and you got like a scholarship. So how do you get... Pay for college how's that work for you now yeah so i i got a full ride football scholarship but i also was a national merit scholar so i had smart I've guy too wow i, don't know. I, don't know. I didn't have anything else to do but study um <laughs> and, and and play some sports um and and try to get gina shotloiner to let me take her to prom never happened but um <laughs> so no we uh in college 
I studied, uh, I've got my degree in applied mathematics from the Honors College of South Carolina. Use it, so. use it a lot. Yeah, all Very the time. helpful. Very helpful. <laughs> all the time. You paycheck. You just got to. Yeah, uh, every, all the, the time. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, yeah, I mean, you know, it's although I, it's just one of those things, right? Like it, it, it is a part of what, what, what makes. Thinking, uh, yeah. What do you think? I'm going to be a mathematician? What was your, what was your thought? Oh, I mean, yeah, I, I thought, you know, I would, I would be, I just math was, came really naturally to me and. I thought I'd work for the government or, you know, in some sort of way, because applied mathematics have a lot of different uh, scope that it can be. I mean, math is everywhere. So it um, it's one of those things that can be used for crypto. It can be used, not crypto Bitcoin, but uh, right. cryptography. Um, uh, it can be used for, you know, it, it, it's involved in a lot of stuff. I mean, um, yeah. So, well, how does, finance, so now how does, this, you know, how does this mathematician descend become an actor again after that? You could wait up and stuff. I was in New York. I was walking down the street. I was coming from the gym. I was walking down the street in New York City. Uh, I was on Christopher Street in Soho uh, and out of this like Mediterranean coffee shop kind of place walks this woman um, and she'd hung up her cell phone and she just hung up her cell phone and she looked up. She's on like the steps of it. And she looked up and then she came down, stopped me and asked me if I was a model. And I like, you know, I gave her the whole, I know the ripoff and I know the scam and, you know, I might've gotten here yesterday, but I wasn't born yesterday mm -hmm. and whatever. And it was, well, what'd you go to New York uh, City anyway for? Were you uh, Finance. Yeah. For at Morgan Stanley. Oh, you're working with Morgan with Stanley. One of the big, yeah. Oh, I was with oh, one yeah. of the big financial oh. companies. Yeah. Wow, okay. Okay. Yeah. And, and then, uh, she, she looked me dead in the eye and said, Hey, I totally get it. You're right. Here's my card. And it was Katie Ford. And she had just gotten off the phone with Bruce Weber from for Abercrombie and Fitch, who had just the conversation they apparently had just had was that he wanted all American athletic, big guys, not not models. You're, and you're, but, you're not you're not a religious person. That's like a sign from above. That like the exact model, right. you know. So yep. did you just hang up Morgan Stanley and then become a model type thing? Is that no, you know, it, it was a slow process. I mean, I, I never imagined that I would make a living at it. I, I booked Abercrombie and and shot that almost, I think within like three days, I had booked the Abercrombie gig. And, um, and you know, within two weeks, I had shot the cover, my first cover for Abercrombie. And I thought, well, that was fun. Nobody will call me from that, but uh, that's cool. And then um, they, I had what are called go sees, which are like a model's version of an audition um, because there's, and it is just a go see because nobody cares if you can say the lines or deliver dialogue or have a character. They just want to see you. Um, and back, back then they would just snap a Polaroid of you or a couple of them. And, you know, you'd, and look at your book. If you had a tear sheet, if you had your book, which I didn't even have at that point, obviously I'd never done it before. Um, and one thing led to another, and I, you know, I ended up being the face of Valentino, and uh, for an entire season, um, I was the packaging for Calvin Klein boxer briefs for for two or three years. I had a bunch of billboards in Times Square. But when you it do modeling, wild. modeling is like you stay there all day too. They same like basically. You yeah, know. yeah. For like, for modeling, like it's oftentimes, especially on location, it's several days that you'll you will be shooting. If you're the principal model in something. Like for ANF, for Abercrombie and Fitch, we would go to location. Um, the principal models who had agents and and you know were booked outright. We got a different pay rate and we were put up in a different place. You know, we got to stay. Like um, if if there was a hotel nearby, maybe you know some of the other models that were found locally, or uh, they would do like co recruiting at local colleges and at the malls locally to pull in to get some of the, you know, some of these other models to fill out the page. So there were a bunch of us in some of these shots, like it looked like a big party at a college or something. Um, and that's what they would do. They would find what, if, you know, I don't know that this is really a term in modeling, but like the background performers for the shoot were locally hired oftentimes. Um, but some would also be brought in from a couple hours away. And, and, uh, and those people would, you know, maybe put up at a hotel that was nearby and we would have this, this house, this luxury house that was rented on the lake or something where we were shooting. Um, and you know, that was fun. I mean, that was great, but there's, um, and I'm grateful for it too, by the way. Um, but that's, I, I ended up doing the gap khaki country and gap khaki swing commercials through Ford. And that was uh, a game changer monetarily. Um, that, that swing commercial, um ran everywhere all the time 
for a lot of money. And um, and it's so I have an interesting question about this. It's, yeah. So I think a lot of people think of, of being a, a, a the negative thing about being a model is like they almost treat you like a piece of meat sometimes. They don't like feel like like they just have it's any like that feeling from a guy perspective is different than they won't be like they're just like uh ever feel that feeling like you're not valued as a person, like you just like you almost like have a certain look and you just keep doing that same thing over and over again, or I don't know. Sure, yeah. So there is that. There, there is, you know, there's a lot of work that goes in before you show up, obviously, right? To keep yourself in a certain, whatever shape you were in, whether it be, you know, ripped, shredded, athletic, or, or, or waif or thin or, 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 or large or plus size, any kind of, you, you have to take care of yourself and maintain your physical self, um, as well as your emotional self, um, because there's a lot of mental stamina that has to go into it because you are a human being. And even in their best of attempts, you are still sort of a prop piece in, you know, this, the shoot, right? So, so you will be, you sometimes do have to pose in an uncomfortable physical manner or, um, or be in cold water, stand in cold water for the shoot, or any of that, just similar to acting, though. Mm -hmm. um, the only difference is, again, that you don't lend. I, I see, I look at that as, um, I look at, at my experience, and that's the only experience I can speak to, right? Um, I look at my experience in that world as, um, as eye-opening and um, a payoff for um, a lot of the physical uh, work that I'd put in, in the gym as a freshman, I was just talking mm -hmm. about going to the gym right, or weight right. training in spring. I mean, you know, that, that sort of paid off because my physical stature, but there were also a lot of God given and, and genetic traits that I had that worked in my favor. Um, and so, yeah, no, no, it's just interesting. Cause like, I know that with a lot of women that they try to lose so much weight. And I don't know if you've met any of those people on, the, on this when you were taking pictures. Yeah, I mean, and that's the unfortunate thing is that I was one of those people that was never, I, I never that. experienced that pressure, but I got out. I forest gumped my way into modeling. It was by accident that it happened and happenstance. And I knew that it wasn't something that I wanted to do for my entire life um, as a career of any kind. Um, and yeah. Sorry. I knew it wasn't something yeah, I saw it too. Yeah. I know it's something I didn't want to do as a career for my entire life. And so I looked to pursuing acting and that's why um, I ended up leaving Ford and going to Abrams artists uh, for my, my reps. And then, you know, that's when um, all my children and, you know, Broadway and all of the other, the actual acting gigs that I got started coming to fruition. So we'll take a little commercial break. We're going to find out how Burke went from a model to a big actor. And we're back with Burke. Burke, where was the break from being a model to an actor? Like you've been on like regular shows and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thankfully. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think that that, I, I think that instead of looking at it as a big break or anything like that, a lot of the time I, I try to focus on the process over the outcome, right? So I look at it as like, um, as like rungs on a ladder. So I think the first rung that I climbed that got me away from modeling and into acting was saying, I, I would really like to be an actor. And, and in doing that, in just making that statement um, and investing a little bit of time into the research in it or asking or taking a class or any of that, you, you are an actor. Now, maybe you're not making paying all of your bills or any of your bills that way. Maybe it's costing you money, but you have started a small business as an actor at that point. And, and I think it's so important for people, you know, I want to be an actor someday. Well, you know, there's there you could do it right now, man. And if you've already taken a class and read a book or, or auditioned or any of that, you are already an actor. Nobody gets to define you in that regard. Um, and so I think that was the biggest uh, first rung was me deciding, making the decision that like uh, the modeling thing is great and the money's great and all of that. And the attention is, is what it is. It wasn't really for me to be honest with you, but it was fine. Um, but I really wanted 
uh, to act. And I had enjoyed my time uh, in that drama class that I had taken. And I ended up taking it all three years uh, that it was available. I didn't take it my senior year. But um, yeah, so uh, so I think that was the first rung is deciding. And then the second rung of it that got me really close to it was when I moved on to Abrams Artists and started auditioning. And I worked with Margie Haber, who is an acting coach, still is, has a great program. Um, I worked with her in New York. Um, to try to have an understanding of what it what I needed to do, what what it entailed. Um, and then I focused on those things. And um, and then, you know, eventually I booked all my children. Um, and then from there, I booked a guest star on Spin City. Um, I forced got my way onto Broadway. I was uh, I was doing a uh, charity thing uh, for the local. This is before 9-11. I was doing a charity thing at the local bar for the local firehouse. So like a bunch of models, actors, you know, soap actors, we would go to the bar um, one night and we would bartend, but everything would go to the firehouse as a charity. Um, and uh, there was a musician playing with his guitar and I knew him and uh, he was like, come up and sing one. And so I came up and sang one and then I sang another one. And then uh, Heidi Marshall happened to be there that night and uh, talked to me afterwards. And she was with, at the time, she was with Bernie Telsey and uh, casting. And I ended up uh, booking the role of Roger in Rent on Broadway. Wow. And then, yeah, and then it was off to the races at that point. Then you, you know, that that's, that's you're so in a full-time cool. gig for sure. So. <laughs> you know, okay, you, your story is so fascinating, but I have to get to weird facts. I haven't done any- Oh, I love that. Snapple well, facts, man. Shot, I love it. Let's go. I, it's unbelievable. Okay, we'll come back. We have some weird facts. Can't wait. All right, we're back with some weird facts. Now, here you go. You ready, one? This, you know, Let's I. Go. A lot of people like to be with different people and things lately, but I do not recommend anybody be with an armadillo because you can get leprosy transfers from uh, an armadillo to humans. So please, no, yes. I, well, I do have, do you have to be tested now or something? No, but I'm just saying, how do, how is that not, that's like my favorite, <laughs> that's like my favorite friends episode. I'm the holiday <laughs> armadillo. Like, how does that, how, how, does how, that am I how does anybody know that? Seeing that armadillos? How does anybody know that? That's the weird thing. When is oh, somebody... that's even, oh, wow. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. I don't want to target that thread. We also do leadership skills on this show. Because as you know, the president election is coming up, depending on what, you know, my philosophy, whatever it is. But sure. I think you need a leader that runs government like a business instead of a bureaucrat. I just, sure. I just saw, and I'm just really disgusted. There's a group uh, that funds this thing with uh, with the Palestinians called UNICEF or whatever it was called. I forgot the name of you or you and thing with the UN. And we spent 300 million dollars they brought back money 300 million dollars and the officials in this un group then participated in the october 7th killing of innocent people in israel so it's like wow. we this government paid money to have innocent people killed that is just that is just the you know that just drew my line if i forget about all these election things this is like and just to think how much money on the smallest scale is wasted on horrible things. We need someone who's going to look at the budgets and look at things and say, you know what? I don't care. This might look politically incorrect, but we have to run this like a business. Yeah. Well, and one thing I think that's important is that if they run it like a business, the citizens of our country need to be what dictates the bottom line of it. And that's not to say that we do so without concerning ourselves with the rest of the world as a global citizen. I don't mean that, but when you when you look at, at what we've done right and what does this business, what looks profitable to this business model, it has to be that what we do is in the best interests at the end of the day, the best interests of our citizens. republic, yeah. of our citizens, while yeah. still helping those in the world, well, like Israel, like like those in the world that that need our support and our help. That, yes. is a, that is, as a global citizen, that is our duty and our moral, ethical requirement, but not to the detriment, not, not, not to the detriment of the bottom line. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, yeah. that's, you know, you know, you can only do so much and you, you got to take care. I hate to say, you, you got to take care of your family first. You know, that's right. It's like taking care of your family, then you can they can help other people. But sometimes, well, on a plane, they tell you to put your mask on first. You know what I mean? Right. You can't exactly. help anybody if you don't if you can't help breathe. Yourself. So, 
That's right. Okay. We also have some unusual business ideas. And I can't believe this isn't made. I really can't believe this isn't made. I love you. So I'm, I'm just awesome. really shocked. A bit, I, I want a snow shovel with a heater at the end. Now you're you're in California, so I have no idea what snow is. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> but this is white stuff that comes down in the winter. Oh right. Yeah. So yeah, here here we call that cocaine. <laughs> In, okay. LA. in LA. Yeah, they know what there's a new movie on Netflix about this woman who's like was a the head of the of the cocaine. She was really big in the Zelda. Yeah. 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 Sophia Vergara. She was a tough woman, you know. Really? Want to her. I'm just For sure. You, it's nice to know that it's not sexist, the cocaine trade. That's that's, a, that's so good of them. So <laughs> good of them. Can move up, you know, no matter what you thanks. Do. Thanks, cocaine. That's cocaine. I just, I just watched the first episode. Man, she's a tough lady. Yeah, but I, she's amazing. But I digress. So the snow shove would have heat on the end. So it would just melt the snow. I love that idea. I, I was in, uh, we were in Zion in Utah shooting this uh, uh, Hallmark movie I did, Love in Zion National and National Park Romance. And it was supposed to be set in the spring, summer, but there was snow on the ground. It was February. And they broke out blow torches to melt the local the snow. Right. So I think I think a heated think shovel heat, might be a little more shovel. safe. I, I, it's got to exist. Paper. I can't believe I'm like, anybody making millions of dollars on that one. Oh, okay. We are going to commercial break. When we come back, we will talk about some exciting other issues and financial advice and more right. on what's going on. All right. So uh, we are back from our commercial break and we have some very... Interesting financial advice. I think it's pretty cool. Okay. Module houses. A module house is very inexpensive. All with the land being with houses being very expensive. You get a piece of land and you mm -hmm. put a module house there. You put a few, then you've got a nice little land thing. But module house could be as little as a hundred grand. It's already designed. Really? In yeah. Yeah. So you get a place of land by a, a lakefront has electricity sure. and you get in the real estate business a lot less, a lot less money than in something else. And if you really want to be smart, I'm a Jewish, nice Jewish boy. You get a Jewish Hasidic rabbi to come there, and you get a whole community there. You really, you got it all set. Don't that don't steal my idea. Well, you get a little money. That's up right. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's don't a good one. Your career. Okay, so you're on the soap operas now. The soap operas I find very interesting. You have to be ready every day, right? I mean, they so when they do soap operas, land it's like. Yeah, I mean, so it depends, right? Because uh, soap operas are ensembles. So yeah, you're, you you work banker's hours three to four days a week, um, generally. Yeah, so you, you do work quite a bit. And it's like the lines are like, it's like so many lines to memorize, right? I think that's a lot. Yeah, it, yeah so you're, you'll be working one script. Uh, you'll receive, let's say on a Friday, you'll receive your script for Monday. Um, and then usually somebody will over the weekend um, have, you'll be delivered your script for Tuesday. Um, and then on Monday, you'll get your script for Wednesday. It's like a lot, it's a lot of, it's, they really play, it's actually better, eat harder than the movies. Because, it is in a way because of the timeline on it. Yeah, because of the time yeah that's crunch. why you got to be such a good person with monologues because you've had to memorize really quickly. Yeah, it's that does help. That did it, actually help. Yeah, because I mean, I'm thinking like even when you do a theater show, you do the same thing over and over basically again. And again, once you get it, it's, it's down pat. That's right. And then when you do a TV show, it's once a week generally. This is the toughest. Am I right? Uh, it, it, it's not easy. I will say it, it takes uh, it. it it, it, it takes its toll on you and you do have to stay, you know, you have to stay sharp. You have to because, stay a lot because it's like the whole week. It doesn't yeah. change. Like, so yeah. You, yeah. So, I mean, like, I mean, I know the pay is pretty decent with that, with the, with it, but it is the most challenging. Would you say, I mean, what's the, what's, it, the, what's the easiest part? I, I can't imagine. I just realized, I think that's the hardest type of acting you can do. I mean, it's, listen, I'll say, I'll say what I think the hardest kind of acting is. Sure. Um, uh, showing up for a guest star on a really, really strong series, um, a really highly regarded, strong, dramatic series, showing up and guest starring in one episode of that when everybody already knows each other and knows their characters and are super comfortable with who's who, um, and you show up and you're like, Ha! 
<laughs> ha, I'm important for this week and y'all don't know me. Like that's, that is. A little bit of resentment too. You feel the resentment. Well, it can be. Yeah. But it also, you, you it also, yeah. And they, yeah. Already have, they already have the chemistry and you're like, just have to connect to that chemistry. That's right. And who's who and what their, what their takes are. Right. So like uh, so sometimes there are, um, everybody has their own process and I, I don't, even people who are like, I don't have a process. I like, they have a process. They just don't, don't know it. you know, they don't, they're not conscious of it, but it's just their thing, right? It's things they like that help them. Um, and so, you know, sometimes there are people on a show who uh, want to chat with you, for example, in hair and makeup, like they, they want, they're excited, you know? And I mean, as a default setting, everybody has good days. Everybody has bad days. Don't, mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. But I mean, just on your regular run of the mill, nine times out of 10, they're the people um, that just are going to chat with you and are there to have a good time and, and stuff. And that's a part of their processes, keeps them relaxed. Um, and there are the same, there are people that, especially depending on the, um, what, what we may be shooting that day, the content and what their job is that day. Um, you know, sometimes there are people that don't want, that want to be left and able to work quietly and all of that. And like, as a guest star, you don't know who's who, what's what, or right. anything. And that is where hair and makeup and um, and wardrobe, beyond the fact that they make you look good, by the they way, like they, beyond their, absolutely, beyond their absolute talents in their crafts, which they have, like they're immensely talented. I certainly couldn't do any of the things that those individuals, those incredible artists do with hair and makeup and wardrobe. So- Beyond that, the other thing is they deserve like, I don't know, continuing education credits for therapy because they, they hear it all. They tell you it all. They let you know. They'll give you little hints. They'll tell you who's who and what's what. In my, where I come from, right? And I mean, how I introduce myself, how I enter the world, right? Is that I want to be of support to whatever works for those around me, not just artistically, I mean, just in general, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and so for me, it's like, I always think like, man, what if I show up and I'm like, oh, hey, you know, oh, hey guys. And they're like, hey, we don't do that here. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, what? And then the I in my mind, right? You let your mind run. And then the star runs off because he's like, I can't work like this. And then you're like, what? And then like, you know, you know, and then well, it's a you exit. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, um, that, in my opinion, is the hardest gig, is the, the showing up for the guest star mm, um, on an existing show where everybody already feels really good about it. So you'd rather be in the, you'd rather be in the soap than the guest star. <laughs> the soap, you're there regularly. And your first day, they'll let you limp in. And your first have, couple they, of days. When they have a lot of lines, it's some, it's like some of the people forget their lines a lot. Are they no, everybody, everybody on soaps is a pro. Oh. And everybody on soaps is is word perfect, but <laughs> yeah, <such a> <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, no, Listen, you know, it's it's in it's in support of the craft, and um, the writers are incredible on those right. on soaps. Oh, yeah, unbelievable. They're writing it that fast, by the yeah. way. They're keeping, right. you know, so they're amazing, and they write in the voice of the character that you have been playing for how long? I, I so it's I like. I don't know if there's any soaps left anymore. I don't know if the people there are, are. no, there there are. They're still yeah. They yeah, there's they're, they're the still out there. there. Yeah, they're just shot there. in a different manner, and they they air oftentimes in in a on, you know on a streaming online sort of right, sort of right. manner. But yeah, there yeah, are yeah. there are also stories that air daytime as well. So <laughs> it still goes on. I just remember yeah. growing up with those things. People used to love that. All right, so on another topic we like to do here. The people love things. I have a section called hate. Let's break it okay. up. Living in New York, what I hate is this marijuana smoke that infiltrates everywhere you go. It's so, I never smoked marijuana. I'm one of the few people in this world, but I'm, it made me not want to smoke it. It stinks. And they yeah. can't like, have a giant air freshener. I just, it's like, I, I understand if you want to do what they want to do, but what I have to smell it. That's right. I agree. <laughs> they I agree. With, they had a problem with the US Open where they were so upset. At the U.S. Open, really? Yeah, because it doesn't matter. I want to sleep well, in, you know, like the balls going. And the guy's like, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <no>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, 
Can yeah. imagine enough of that happening. Okay, so uh, I've oh, never I've never smoked either, but I have attended a Dave Matthews concert or two, and I know oh. that that'll get you there. <laughs> trending now, some trending topics quickly for you. Yeah, very, a very sad story, but King Charles has cancer. I guess in a sense, whenever something happens to somebody who's more prominent, it brings people out to talk about it, you know, and maybe people will talk about, I don't know what kind of cancer he has, but be more aware and watch for the signs and stuff like that. Well, I, I think that that's a great way to look at it. I, I, you know, I hope he recovers. I hope he's well. I, you know, I don't know the man obviously, but, um, but I think cancer is awful and, uh, and F cancer in my opinion, but, um, I hate cancer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hate cancer. That would be the one that I would pick. I, I actually, um, I actually said, I actually did a, a little charity event that I said I'm going to raise money for cancer. I said, you know what? I don't think anybody's going to say, you know, that's wrong. I said, right, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, who's going to defend cancer? It's really um, Yeah, but uh, I, I think, uh, I think you're right, and I think it's, um, you know, I was on Spin City uh that first season after michael j fox had come public with his parkinson's oh, yeah. and it was um and it was incredible because it was i knew very little of parkinson's and then suddenly and michael j fox had been and still is one of my heroes um and you know what's not to love about him and mm -hmm. uh yeah and so i found to your point to your point, I found myself not just caring about Michael J. Fox, but caring about Parkinson's and wanting to understand more about what it is and from whence it comes and how to help rid us of it. And you know what I mean? And you're right. It, it And that's the, you know, that's a part of the human condition for for most individuals and obviously outliers for anything and any in anything, there are outliers to anything. Right. But um, in the human condition, I think um, the thing that while AI does have the potential of taking people's jobs in the entertainment industry, while it does have the opportunity or possibility of taking and already has jobs in factories and, and, and coding and programming and all sorts of stuff. Right. Well, that is true. Um, I think in the entertainment industry, one thing that we would find very quickly were they to attempt to replace, too far replace with AI, is the human condition of empathy. Mm. And so while singularity and self-awareness may be something of which AI could have in a way, right, um, you, you can never take away the artificial in artificial intelligence. And the innate empathy that in, that that exists within us as human beings would quickly be lost in something that was not something that was not communicated, that was not created or generated from human the heart, because it's not that's not intelligence, that's instinct. And you can artificial intelligence all you want there's no artificial instinct you're born with it or you're not birds know not to eat that seed or berry because it'll kill them they just know it and they know to do that you know what i, I mean whatever you're giving We're me an a little hope with the ai I'm, 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 well i i mean i that is you know we still need to regulate it right we still need to get some controls I'm in there and worried, protections but yeah i'm still worried about the terminated but it's fine i'm okay for now though. oh no yeah no that's definitely that's definitely real but i was gonna mention to you also on a night and note trending is Doja Cat outfit during the Grammy Awards? She did a mm -hmm. little goth outfit. I don't know if you saw that. Yes, I did. I don't think those are real tats. I am pretty sure they're not. Yeah, because you wouldn't. You just put that on for the day. Yeah. I. I yeah. I mean. I, right. I or, it's, what's that? I. I don't think they. I mean, well, okay, so you know, she, she's, a lot she's great in Argyle, by the way. Argyle came out this past weekend and. I know, uh, you know, it's, we're so quick to be like, oh, it bombed and we'll blame streaming and good, good try, Apple. You're why we can't have nice things. Um, it's a great movie, though. I'm looking forward to uh, to other people seeing it and it getting a second set of legs. And she is fantastic in it. Oh, like, really? All right. I was, I was like, wait, I don't I don't understand. <laughs> like, this is this I is know, the trailer. The trailer didn't get me that inspired, but. 
I don't no, know. No, no. And listen, it's not, don't get me wrong. It's not, re, it's not, it's not mind blowing. It's certainly not Oppenheimer. It's not Barbie. No, I mean, it's, I like funny. I like funny and yeah. whatever, but I just, I don't know. It just seems a little dummy. It's, it, yeah, it's quirky and, action. And which is going to be on my last point, but I get, I'm not yet there at the last point today. Not yet. Because okay. two things I want to ask you about. One, I'm just curious. I see you have a ring. Is that that ring that, the ring that you're wearing, yeah, is that what kind of ring is that? Is that not that? This, this is a tungsten wedding ring, oh. but I do have I do have an aura ring. Oh, it's just I don't just don't have it on right now because I was, about uh, that aura ring. Yeah. I I just taken it off, but yeah, my uh, my wife got me that. Um, what the first one she got me a few years ago, oh. uh, maybe for my birthday, and then she just got me a new one uh, at at uh, yeah, during Sam's the holidays this past year. Of that. Yeah, I, I love it. I I think I swear by it, man. It's it lets you know things, things that you want to yeah. know. Yeah, and when I'm not feeling when I when I feel a little off or something, and I'm like, am I do I feel a little off or is it just is this just in my you know what I mean? Right, I can look and there are metrics there that I could go like, oh yeah, look at that, look at that. I didn't yeah. sleep well you're at not, all you're last not, night. You're not or, crazy. Yeah, that is right. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Good. Okay, so like, yeah. and that it helps you. It helps you treat yourself. You know what I mean. It helps you go. Oh, I need to show myself a little love right now and like mellow out because my heart rate's been up or I didn't sleep well and you don't remember. Sometimes you wake up and you're like, I must have, you know, whatever. But it, it helps. So. Oh, I'm gonna get that. That's very cool. I think about that. Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe they'll get me in at the show. Uh, we have a special announcement after this commercial and a nice ending note. Can't wait. And. We're back now. Special <sighs> announcement. Very exciting, Burke. March 10th. I'm, I'm, I'm gassed up. No, you really are. Listening. March 10th, we are planning to have, you're the first person to know live on this thing, the theatrical release of our film in uh, New York City. In New York City, yeah. Yes! And, and actually, we're going to team up with the charity. We're just trying to figure out a good charity. So the money's going to go to charity for the event, and we're going to have a, a happy party afterwards. So make sure you cut, get your tickets all set and bring your family, friends, even people who don't like that much, it's going to be a lot of fun. You know what I'm saying? March 10th, I will be there 100%. Bring no it. question. Bring all I your followers. We'll have to get a bigger theater, but it's fine. I, no, don't follow me. I'm lost. But if you <laughs> want to see a great movie, I'll make sure that they know about it. That's really great. Now, we always like to end on a, a, final, a, no, a final note. And I was thinking about going in one direction, and I thought about a different direction. You told me a story. That's very sad about you know your passing of your of your family, your parents, and I, I think some my 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 parents passed, and one of the things they always Sorry. say when someone passes, thank you, when someone passes is is in all religions to keep their memory alive, by being a little part of them, and yeah. bringing that part into the world. So my father was a great businessman, who always liked to, you know find new ideas and make things happen. I'm hoping that I'm inspiring that as well as my mother being a very generous and caring, loving person. So it says, your loved ones don't pass as long as those that live on keep their memory alive. And, and God willing, I, I'm, I'm sure the, the kindness that you are and, and the professionalism that you are, I, I bet your mom and dad up there are looking down and saying, they're so proud to have Burke Floyd as their son still here representing them. And Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you. And looking forward to seeing you on the March 10th, my friend. Thanks so much, bud. I appreciate you, man. You got me in the feels with that last bit there. Thank you for <laughs> Thank that. You. It means a lot, for real. Thank you. Thank you. Thank See you, you March 10th. See you March 10th. Thank you.